0: Good morning, River Church. I'm David Alvarez, uh, former healing pastor at the River Church, and now the director of the Healing Path Ministries. Uh, This morning, uh, we're going to be looking uh, at John chapter 9. And before we get started, I want to just pray for us. And I want to pray something from Ephesians 1. It's a very famous a prayer from Paul. He says, um, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, but the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Wonderful words from Paul, and um, this was really an appropriate prayer for what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, This week, uh, I had to go to the DMV. I'm at that age now where uh, vision test is required, and I had a little concern, but, you know, uh, the woman asked me to place my hand over my eye, and I did. I placed it over my right eye, and I believe I read all the the lines rightly. And then she said, well, cover your other eye. And then all of a sudden it was like, what? The bottom line was like, I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to read that bottom line. you know. And so I was kind of panicking and uh, just realized that my sight is diminishing as I've gotten older. And that frightens me uh, that maybe one day I'll struggle to see things clearly. Uh, Trust me, as I've gotten older, it's other things too that are slowing down or constantly hurting. I'm falling apart, Uh, naturally. (laughs) That just kind of tied into researching and studying for this passage. And you realize that um, here is a man who's born blind. Uh, And you you may not think you may not think so, but it's this passage, this passage I find to be one of the most interesting stories in the New Testament. This man proves to be one of the most colorful characters in the Gospels. Now, I'm not, obviously, there's 41 verses, there's no way in heck I'm going to be able to flesh all that out for you, but if you have a chance, read those 41 verses, the, the part where... The blind man interacts with the Pharisees. It's just gold. It is just pure, pure gold. And um, it's really, it's a, he's an amazing man. And we'll hear more about him as I share with you. And so hopefully today we'll see what we can learn about Jesus' posture toward sickness and toward pain and suffering. We will see how Jesus approaches this situation. And so what we're going to do is look at John 9, the first 12 verses. This is from The Message, written by Eugene Peterson. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause-effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Look instead for what God can do. We we need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the work day is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this, and then spit in the dust made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes and said, Go, go wash at the pool of Siloam. Siloam means "sent," And the man went and washed, and he saw. The disciples asked who sinned to make this man sick. It was a common assumption in Jesus' day that your circumstances reflected your spiritual condition. The people thought God had afflicted this man, because of sin. And, and this isn't an impulse far removed from us. Many of us blame God for our circumstances. We we lose our job or we don't get a job we've applied for and think that God is punishing us. We fail a test and think God is getting back at us for, for lusting or, or gossiping. And then there's the guilt track, which is to blame oneself. I happened to be the president of that club for Many, many years. And this is the idea that suffering happens quid pro quo. I suffer so much because I've sinned so much. If I commit X number of sins, God will hand out X number of afflictions. And contrary to that, if I live the good life, then I won't suffer much at all. And for me, grace grace was nowhere to be found. Now, I want you to notice two or three uh, facts about this man. We don't know his name. He didn't approach Jesus. Nobody brought him to Jesus. And he, and he didn't ask to be healed. He was begging. Unlike blind Bartimaeus in the Gospel of Mark, who was shouting, Jesus, Jesus, Son of, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is a very different story. All his life, he had lived in darkness. He was blind from birth, and he had no idea what it meant to see. Most of us would say this is a hopeless situation. He was a beggar. He was desperately poor. Life had been very hard. He was supported by the generosity of other people. And so going out the temple gate, Jesus approaches this fellow, who I'm guessing customarily sat by one of the exits of the Jewish temple. Notice. Jesus is attentive, full of mercy, and actively moving toward the man with compassion. Pastor Brad told us last Sunday that the goodness of the shepherd flows from his attentiveness. The goodness of the shepherd flows from his attentiveness. This is what's happening here in this story. Jesus didn't engage him in prolonged discussion. He didn't ask him questions as far as we know. He did not tell the man to follow him and become his disciple. He did not discuss the man's past or present sins. He didn't tell him that he had to be born again. He simply spat on the ground to make a paste out of dirt and applied it to the man's eyes. He then instructed him to wash in the pool of Siloam. What was it, what was it about Jesus that caused this man to let him touch him, place mud on his eyes, and then go and do what he instructed? Perhaps, perhaps it was the first time he had ever experienced that kind of kindness, gentleness, empathy, and care. How many of you know that goes a long way in opening a door into the heart of someone that is suffering? Now, <clears throat> if I did that to someone, spat on the ground, made a pace to rub on their eyes, I'm guessing I'd get slapped hard across the face. You know, I've always wondered why Jesus just didn't touch the man with his hand or give a command with his mouth. How much spit, how much spit does it take to create enough mud anyway? <laughs> Shall we all go out afterwards and practice and see how long that takes? You know, watching my Lord and Savior hawk up a loogie isn't the first mind picture I have when I think of him. You know, as I considered this story, and when I do that, I place myself in the story as an observer, I thought, what if the first thing the man saw after he washed his, after he washed, was his reflection in the water? The first thing he saw, OMG. And then it's all frosting after that. To me, I'm just like, it's like a Broadway musical. Oh, what a beautiful mo." Oh, what a beautiful day. Well, that would have been me if I was blind and I got to see. Trust me, I would have busted out and song. This story challenges our Western mindset, which is based on the idea that truth can be derived through logical, rigorous debate. People refuse to believe in the miraculous because they've, they've already decided in their hearts, it's just not going to happen. Even when the truth is right in front of us, we can miss it. And, and I mean, it's all through the, the, the 66 books of the library that is the Bible. Oh, geez, must have, been, must have been about seven or eight years ago. I had a summer class on Sunday nights called The Kingdom of God. And I taught about doing what Jesus did. Feed the poor, heal the sick, share the good news. On this one particular night, I spoke about miracles, and it is my want is that when I teach, we always do a lab, and so we all broke up into groups and stuff, and we were praying for one another, and there was just this great sense of expectation and faith in that room, and it was a wonderful time, and then we ended, and we all kind of hung out and chatted and stuff, and then this very tall woman came over and whispered in my ear, I have a lump in my right breast. And I'm going in for a biopsy tomorrow morning. Can you pray for me? And so, what I did was, I gathered two of my women leaders uh, because I wanted someone to lay hands on her. And I asked her if she was comfortable with that. She said yes. Now, obviously, very inappropriate for me. And so, what I did was, I just laid hands on one of my women leaders and I just prayed through her. So I prayed, and the two women prayed, and that was it. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss, see you later. And then the next Sunday night, I was hoping to see her and get a report. She didn't show up. I thought, oh, that's disappointing. Now, it was, not, it was a woman, I, it was a friend of Donna Miles. If you were here long enough, you remember Donna Miles. And um, so I was like, oh, that's sad. I was hoping she'd come back. And then Thursday of that week, I get a phone call. And I said in the first service, that's when we had landlines. I think that's when we were in downtown San Jose. And so I got this call at my desk, and it's her. She's called me. And she said, I've really hesitated to call you because I was afraid that when I spoke it out, that it would go away. I said, well, tell me what happened. She said, well, I went in Monday morning, and they went looking for the lump, and it wasn't there. And of course, I'm like, yes, thank you. I'm like, you know, over the moon, and I'm just telling anybody in the office who will listen to me and stuff. And then I told some friends of mine who were part of the river then that, hey, you can't believe what God did. And they gave me the head bob. Like, no words, just like David Alvarez... We do not believe a word that's coming out of your mouth. You know, you are the manic Hispanic, and it's just <laughs> like We think you're a little crazy, so but that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a mindset that just doesn't believe or is just given up. And I think For me, and I've talked with Brad about this, is that I hope this is a year that we can raise the expectation and faith in this congregation so that we once again begin to lay hands and pray for the healing. It's not to say that we're not doing it, but I think there's just this way in which I want to kind of call more people into that place of praying. Look, trust me, it is a fearful thing when somebody says, can you pray for healing for me? I mean, the first time I was ever asked, and it was just like, I felt helpless. Like, what do I do? What do I say? And of course, I was always aware of people and what they thought of me, so I didn't want to pray wrongly, so I just didn't do anything. But I realize it's that God is not impressed with the length of our prayers or how wonderful they are. God is just impressed with just our hearts to come like children and just say, I'm going to come like a child here, and I'm going to listen to you, Lord, and you're going to help me. And it, not, it might just, you might think, well, that was just the worst prayer in the world. But that's how we really, really begin to overcome our fears. We overcome our unbelief. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help my unbelief. And so I understand. I understand. It's not an easy thing. And that's why I really encourage you, if you're doing it, just to do with others and watch and watch how they model it for you. And then just with a step of faith, pray as you sense the Spirit leads you to pray. Amen? In the story, does the blind man reveal anything to us about his understanding of God? Yes, I will show you. After Jesus anointed the man's eyes with mud, he moved on without even waiting to see the outcome. Seriously. He does his thing, tells the guy to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and Jesus goes somewhere else. It's like Steph Curry. You know, when Steph shoots a three, and he's so sure of it going in, he's already going back up the court. And then it goes through the hoop. So, yeah, so Jesus kind of had one of those Steph Curry moments there. Yeah, okay, just go. And the guy was healed. The guy was healed. Now, if you take the time to read the 41 verses in this chapter, you'll see that the man is not only given physical eyesight, but spiritual eyesight. The man's faith develops as we go deep into the story. There is a growing perception of who Jesus is. Let Let me show you. When asked who healed him, he said, a man named Jesus. And then a bit later, he calls Jesus a prophet. And then verse 35 through 38 tells us some more here. Jesus hears the Pharisees have thrown the man out of the synagogue. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. First he saw him as a man named Jesus, then a prophet. And now that he knows the man as the son of man and Lord, he has become a follower of Jesus, all in the span of what? Half a day? Amazing. You know, I think it's in the Narnia novel, Prince Caspian, when Lucy encounters Aslan, she says, Aslan, you're bigger And it's not so much that Aslan is bigger, it's that Lucy's perception is changing, and Aslan is growing as her perception grows. That's how it is in the Christian life. As we embrace different practices, rules to become present to Jesus, he becomes more precious to us. We behold more of his beauty and understand him in greater depth through these encounters assurance, assurance of his love grows within us. Nothing is so fundamental to the Christian journey as knowing and feeling that we are loved. And it's what we as humans want. We want to love and we want to be loved. It's true of each one of us. This love is known in a multitude of ways and is confirmed by the Holy Spirit who fills the believer's heart with the love of God. That's straight out of Romans 5.5. It's from the experience of God's love that we know the grace of God. And so the more we behold Jesus, the more clearly we perceive him, the more we grow in spiritual insight, the larger he becomes to us. Think of the prophet Isaiah when he encounters God and has this overwhelming experience that brings the awareness of being a man of unclean lips, and yet his sin is forgiven And his response to this glorious encounter is obedience and devotion to God. And we see the same in the blind man. Obedience to go and wash his eyes and devotion to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. We, you and I, are chosen, adopted, wanted, welcomed by God. And for some of us, those are just words. This doesn't come easily for those of us that feel unwanted, abandoned, or rejected. These are, they are words that we hear, but we don't believe. We don't believe because it hasn't been our experience with God and most of his people. But spending time receiving comfort from God and internalizing internalizing his loving words is key to our healing. We must spend time getting healed in our heart and processing that at a deep level. Many of us need that deep sense of renewal and comfort from God. You know, a verse came to mind as I was writing this out. It's a very famous one, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Father who shows us loving kindness, and our God who gives us comfort. He gives us comfort in all of our troubles. Then we can comfort other people who have the same troubles. We give the same kind of comfort God gives us. This communion with God brings comfort to us so that we in turn can bring comfort and healing to those that are suffering. Dear ones, I've seen people receive Christ in their hearts because of the compassion and the comfort they've received from a Christian, a Christian that is attuned A Christian that is attuned and then moving towards them with compassion. Moving towards are the operative words. And you know, when the Father lavishes one with his love, their countenance changes. The pain and suffering begin to subside. I used to do a Friday night group for leaders. Uh, Leaders were worn out, weary and stuff, and so I gathered a group of people to pray for those leaders on Friday night. A single guy picks Friday night, hello. And um, everybody's exhausted from work. And so this woman, who was very hypo-aroused, I mean, she was unmotivated, she seemed depressed, she seemed checked out, and um, she wanted to pray for her. And so as we began to pray for her, what was happening was we were all praying Scripture verses. It wasn't, I, usually I get images and stuff that I share with people, but we're all getting scripture verses, and as charismatics would say, or even Pentecostals, the words became rhema. They became life, and they were just, she was downloading those words, and all of a sudden her countenance changed, and there was joy on her face. Honest engine, I swear to you. It just, her face had changed, and I remember seeing her like three weeks later at a conference in Kansas City. And still there, still radiant, still joyful and stuff. And I'm like, amazing, powerful, powerful. The power of God comes. And we just look. Like I tell my leaders, we're just midwives. It's not on us. We're just midwives bringing the presence of Jesus through those times of prayer. We're looking to him and saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. And heal this affliction. It's an amazing thing. Now, I said the Father lavishes us with his love. Lavished is defined. Bestow something in generous or extravagant, extravagant, extravagant quantities on. Bestow something in generous or extravagant, extravagant quantities on. Learning how to sit and allow God to lavish us with his love and then pour that out on another is healing in so many ways. This is God's disposition towards you, me, and those that have yet to experience it. In this place of communion with God, we experience the possibility of God in here rather than God over there. Gone over there implies that I must do something, probably a lot, before I can get over my pile of sin and truly rest in his presence and enjoy his favor. These people tend to believe that God doesn't really like them very much. And that was me. That was me for many years. Always trying to work for his affection. I'm now living an experience of God's love. Not just a knowing about it. He is filling me up inside with his divine essence. When God promises in both the Old and New Testaments, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, he is saying... I will never leave you because I am in here, not out there. I think this is why the Apostle Paul seemed so convinced that nothing could separate us from the love of God. There was a dear woman, Leanne Payne. She's gone home to be with the Lord, and she'd always have us, and we'd go to her conferences. oh, dear ones, dear ones, just place your hands on your heart and just acknowledge she was from Arkansas. One greater lives within me. And we would do that through the three, four, five days we were there with her at her conferences and stuff. One greater, one greater lives within me. The Father and Jesus have come, and they've made their home in us. Yet for many of us, we don't have that awareness. We don't live out of that center In allowing God to love me and loving him in return, I become one that is able to live out of that love. This is my story, dear ones. This is how I found healing of my father wound. I was in a lot of emotional pain and couldn't figure out how to make sense of my life. I was not experiencing the abundant life Jesus talked about, but through engaging engaging my story, And sharing it it with others, this helped me work through the trauma of my past. And this is what we do. This is what we do in our Healing Path class. We come together. We trust one another. We create a safe place. And then we begin to share our stories, our stories of, of tragedy, our stories of harm, our stories of abuse. And the Lord comes. And the Lord comes and brings healing you know, in a way, I was like that blind man in this story because I had no vision for my future at that time. A huge takeaway for me during that time was, listen, I realize God understands how hard it is to be a human being. Think about that. God understands how hard it is to be a human being. This changed a lot of my wrong thinking about him. So dear ones, receive, just receive the Father's love. Lean into Christian community. Small groups kicking up and stuff, and I'd really encourage you, if you're not a part of a small group, get get connected, because it's in those groups where people can pour that love out that they've received into us. People can come and lay hands on us and pray for healing. So yeah, um, look that up. Get into a small group. And then you get that small group and let the Spirit grow within you so you can experience healing within your heart. We're almost done. Now, if you feel stuck, unmotivated, or enduring the wilderness season, I want to encourage you to ask someone on the prayer team, and they'll be at the wall during worship, to pray for the work of the Spirit to restore spiritual sight to your life. You know, there are times we need our eyes open, the eyes of our hearts enlightened. We may need a divine and supernatural light imparted to our souls so that we will see the light that Jesus is. We should observe in this passage what a lesson Christ gives us about the use of opportunities. John 9, verses 4 and 5. As long as it is day, we, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Notice Jesus didn't say, I must do the works although that's what he was doing. He said, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus knew well that his own earthly ministry would only last three years altogether, and knowing this, he diligently redeemed the time. Now there's a message we probably all need to hear, eh? He let slip no opportunity of doing works of mercy and attending to his father's business. Throughout the day, he was always carrying on the work which the Father gave him to do. There is so much opportunity staring us in the face daily. How many people do we know are in pain? How many people do we know are suffering? And I'm not just talking about physical pain. People, there are heaps, heaps of emotional pain in our own families, with our friends, with our co-workers. Opportunities once lost can never be retrieved, and I understand the the, the hesitancy. I understand the fear. Then let us resist procrastination as we would resist the devil. And so sickness, pain, and suffering are opportunities for us to show the love and the compassion of God. You know, I thought about that this week, and here's what I thought. Sickness in people who are suffering around us, provide us with an opportunity to show the love and compassion of God by caring for them and praying for them and working for their healing. I've always said it's easy to write a check. It's hard to put action to our faith. Many people, like the blind man in John 9, when they sense the compassion of Christ through our deeds of mercy, they may, like this blind man, eventually come to Christ and find spiritual healing as well as physical healing. And lastly, we should observe in this passage the power, the power that Christ holds in his hands. And I believe to really avail ourselves of that power, there has to be this, that we have to be receivers of that lavish love because it's out of there that I believe power is released. I think sometimes we can worship the power too much and get lost in the area of love. And so we see him doing, Jesus, that which was impossible. Without medicines, he cures an incurable case. He gives eyesight to one that was born blind. He takes a man, he takes a man that was treated as an outcast, as an exile, and brings him into the family of God. Such a miracle above all else is meant to make us hopeful about our own souls and the souls of others. Jesus can send light into the darkest heart. And cause blindness and prejudice to pass away. Let's pray. Father, this morning we acknowledge our need for fresh vision, for renewed vision, for our eyes to be opened continually, again and again. We pray that you would do that, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we might see Jesus clearly. In the midst of the things that we see on a daily basis, the things that bombard us, I pray, God, that we would have that breakthrough to come to an understanding of who Jesus is, just like the blind man. That we would perceive his beauty. His glory, His majesty, and His love for us. And I just want to pray for anybody who's really struggling in that. Struggling in that real uh, ability to come present to Jesus and the deep affection that He has for you. Kind of have a sense there's been some hurt, some wounding. And I feel as if There's a resistance within you, and Jesus wants to come. He wants to come with the same compassion he came to that blind man. He wants to come to you with that compassion and that mercy and that healing. And I think this is more a heart issue uh, which affects your sight. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray. I pray for this heart, those hearts, God, that can identify with that, God. And I pray, God, that you would begin to expand, slowly expand those hearts, God, to receive the fullness, the fullness of this love that you lavish upon each one of your children. Feel as if there are ways in which you've not ever received that. Even in your growing up years, there was a lack of it. And so, Lord, would you come would you be liberal in your pouring out of this love and affection for your children today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to do the talk and turn, and there will be questions there for you to consider, and then turn to one another, uh, share, pray, however you felt led. Amen?